Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's one of our leaders, Tim Kleiner. Today, um, what we're going to talk about is heart issues. So before we get into the Word, why don't we just go ahead and, uh, I know we pray for the veterans, but why don't we just go ahead and pray for this message. So, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father God, for your Word today. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that you would minister to our hearts, Father, that your word would not only um, impact our minds, but that it would impact our hearts. Father God, we ask that you would touch us, change us today. I pray that not one person who walked through these doors would leave the same, but that we would never be the same again after hearing the word. We thank you, Father God, as we hear the word, that we would put it into practice in our lives, that it just wouldn't go in one ear and out the other, but that we would be doers of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think when we hear the uh, term heart condition, sometimes we think about um, heart issues as far as a heart attack or, or a heart condition. And I think every single person, if we were to take a poll in here, all of us have probably been affected by heart disease, either personally or in our family's life. I know in um, October of 1998, uh, my dad had a massive heart attack and was in the hospital uh, for, a, for a while there and had triple bypass sur- surgery. So I know how hard that is on a family and what they go through. And, and um, praise God, that surgery was successful and, and um, he's had virtually no issues with his heart since. But sometimes um, when we think of those heart issues, we think of something like that. And heart attacks are actually the number one cause of death for men and women in the United States. And so we do a lot of things in the United States. We, we try to exercise. We try to eat healthy. Uh, we try to limit things that cause stress because eat, wrong eating habits, um, alcohol abuse, smoking, and stress are all causes of, of heart issues. And so we do those things to try to prevent them. But have you ever considered the condition of your spiritual heart? Have you ever looked at that? Because we go through all our life concentrating on our our physical body without ever realizing what we're doing to our inward person, our heart. And so when we talk about heart from a biblical standpoint, we mean the center of our being, the core of who we are. Okay, it's consisted of the inward person, which is your spirit and has a soul or a mind. It's your will, it's your emotions, it's your affections, it's who you are on the inside. And so that word heart there is cardia in the Greek, and that's where we get the word cardiac from. Um, However, in the Bible, the Bible uses that word over 800 times, and not one time is it referring to your physical heart, your pump that pumps blood. Every single time, it's referring to the center of your being. So it uses it um, as um, metaphorically of, of your spirit, your heart, your inward person. So this inward person in Jeremiah 17, 9, 
before we're saved, before we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we were all born into sin. And sin affected the very core of our being. And in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. This is the condition that we were born in. This was a hereditary heart condition that all of mankind was born into. Jesus said in Mark 7, verses 21 through 23, that from within the heart, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. That is the condition that we were born into. But thank God for Jesus. Jesus came to this earth, went to the cross, shed his blood, and if we have faith in him because of what he did on Calvary's tree, his life comes on the inside of us, and he removes that cold, stony heart that's been hardened and corrupted, and he gives you a brand new heart. Amen? But if we don't do something about our minds, if we don't renew our minds after we've been saved, the tendencies that we had before we were born again, we will automatically go back into. So, for instance, I have a, a satellite TV at home. And so I have that TV and I program it to, to the settings that I want, all, all the stations that I like, and, and my preferences, okay? But if I don't maintain that and keep it the way I want, there's a setting in there that's a reset button. And that reset button is a default setting that defaults it back to the manufacturer's settings. So that is what we do when we don't renew our minds to the Word of God. So the word renew is to restore, to bring back to health or healing. And we heal our minds, we restore our minds by feeding on God's word. But if we don't, then it's like hitting that reset button and we go back to the default settings of our flesh to where we start acting like we did before we were born again. And we start thinking evil. We start acting and talking wrong things. Wrong words come out of our mouth. Wrong actions come um, in demonstration from, from our life. So if we, don't, uh, if we don't renew our minds, the tendencies that we had before we were saved will once again start impacting our hearts. We begin to harden our hearts to the things of God, and we become calloused, okay? And so in the last days... Paul talks about that many people will depart from the faith and, and their hearts will become calloused to the things of God. And that word callous means to be seared like, like a hot iron. When you, when you get burned on your hand, there's a callous that forms and your hands become hard. That's how it is when we do things that wound and harden our heart. We don't become sensitive to the things of God. When he's wanting to lead us in our lives, we become hardened to, to his voice. So the Bible talks about the, the outward person 
and the inward person. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, So we do not lose heart, though the outer self is wasting away, the inner self is renewed day by day. So we have the outer self, the body. It's growing older. For some people, it's losing hair. It's getting gray. Uh, Your pant size may be expanding or either that or they're shrinking in the wash. So there's, there's the outward man. But then there's the inward man, and and Paul says the inward man is renewed, it's strengthened, it's growing, it's developing day by day. And so he calls it the inner self. That's the real you, the inner self. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, Peter talks about about, uh, the women in that day not concentrating on uh, trying to look good, trying to get all, the, all these clothes and put on makeup and, 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 and hair and, and trying to all the different styles. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we believe in nice clothes and nice hair and makeup. Thank God for makeup. All right? We're not saying get rid of makeup. All right? So, anyways, before I get myself into trouble, he's saying don't be concerned about the outward person. Okay? He says, let your adorning be concerned about the inner person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So we are are to concentrate, put our focus on the inward person, our hearts. And notice it says that it's in God's sight is very precious. God sees the condition of your heart. He knows all the tendencies. He knows all the weaknesses. He knows all the areas that we need to adjust. The question is, do you see those same things? Do you see what God sees? And are you making those adjustments to line up with what, how he wants you to, to, to be? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is value in every way. So notice he's contrasting godliness and bodily training. So godliness, sometimes when we think of godliness, we think of outward rules and regulations and how we're supposed to live, what our parents want us to do. If we grew up in another church or denomination following a bunch of rules and regulations of of that denomination. But that's not what godliness is at all. Godliness is an inward response to intimacy with God. Godliness is someone's inner response to the things of God, which shows itself in godly living. So it starts first as an inward response to him, and it manifests in how we think, what we say, and how we conduct ourselves. Godliness has nothing to do with following a bunch of rules and regulations, but has everything to do with our intimacy in drawing near to the heart of the Father God. So our goal as believers is to know God more, to draw closer to him, to see him more clearly, 
to desire him more deeply and to love him more dearly. That is our purpose. That is our goal. But the level of our intimacy with him, the level of our drawing near to him, is determined by the level of your humility in dealing with the hard issues of your life. You will never go far in intimacy with God if you don't humble yourself and deal with the dark issues of your heart in the light of God's word. Because only the light of God's word can remove the darkness of the heart. So today I want to talk about certain conditions that I think that we all face, and primarily I want to talk about myself. You know, that's the best person for me to talk about is myself. I can't talk about you. I might not know you, so I'm going to talk about myself. So I want to talk about a certain section of verses in James. It starts in James chapter 3, and uh, there's a few of them, and we're just going to take a little bit of time to, to go through these. But these verses are, are verses that the Lord has dealt with me about extensively, I would say, over the past three to four years, and still is dealing with me. Because I haven't arrived yet. And so sometimes I think when we're sitting out in the congregation, we see uh, who's ever up here, a, a minister, and we may think that they have it all together. But we don't. There's not one of us that are perfect that minister from this platform. We all have things that we're working on. We all put our pants on one leg at a time the same as, as you guys do. So I just want to share some verses that the Lord has been dealing with me about. These are heart issues. And there's one heart issue that I think is the root of all of it. So let's read, let's begin reading in James chapter 3, verse 13. And we're just going to read this whole section here, and then we're going to come back, and then we're going to make some comments about it, because I want you guys to see the entire context first. So chapter 3, verse 3, or verse 13 of the book of James, who was wise and understanding among you, by his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wicked, but the wisdom, excuse me, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, Full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And then chapter 4, because it's in the same context. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, 
Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So, a lot of verses there, a lot of tough things that, that James says. But I think as we look at this, these things are written for our benefit. They're, they're here to help us. And if we analyze ourselves, we can see things that God wants to do in our hearts to draw us closer to him. Okay? So in verse 13, we're just going to look at some of these just a little bit of time here. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. So in other words, if you are truly spiritual, if you are truly um, um, a mature believer, he's saying prove it by your conduct, the way you live. And you do that by humility, in meekness of humility. So he's contrasting those who are not living according to what uh, the Bible says, that there's an opposite of humility, and it's, it's, it's pride, okay? It's self-absorption, self-ambition, um, self, being self-interested, selfishness. You know, that's the number one cause of marital problems is selfishness. And you could call that pride, okay? Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy... And self and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. And so bitter jealousy, um, the word actually means a rivalry to boil. It means burning emotions, inner feelings that are boiling over, boiling anger. It has to do with your temper where you are so envious of somebody else that you're actually angry to see them blessed. That's horrible, right? Then he says selfish ambition. So there's two sides of the coin of this selfish ambition. The one side is is being self-interest, having your own interest in, in mind or Seeking your own ambitions. And so in Philippians, I don't have a verse for that, so just a little side thought. But Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. So humility is the opposite of selfish ambition. 
So we see this in the corporate world, or even if you have a job, if, if you're a manager. It's, you hear that term, a dog-eat-dog -dog world, and trying to get ahead and trying to be, uh, step over somebody else to, to elevate yourself. And there's an ambition to try to be the number one. However, in the kingdom of God, that should never exist because the way up is the way down. In humility, lowering yourself, lowering your estimation of yourself that is in line with God's word. So, then the other side of that, because there's a flip side, selfish ambition includes the seeking of followers or being a people pleaser. Now, for me, this is an area, I've had to deal with both of these issues in my life. I've had to deal with jealousy, and I've had to deal with being a people pleaser. When I've seen others, maybe they were a good speaker, I would be jealous of that. And I, I would think, why can't I speak like that? I deal with a speech impediment. Why do I have this? You know, why can't I be a fiery preacher like, like, like Sam? Or a great communicator like Andrew, you know? Who, I mean, who wouldn't want to be Andrew? He's thin, he's got a full head of hair, he's a great speaker. <laughs> who wouldn't want to be like Andrew, you know? But, you know, but those jealousy things, they're wrong. And God was dealing with me about them. Or trying to be a people pleaser, trying to get people to like me. And for me, this started really when I was in the seventh grade. And so in um, 1990, so that dates me. Anyways, my parents moved to another city, and uh, I was a new kid on the block in a, in a new school. And in that school, I had an awful, awful time, okay? just being made fun of, criticized, just for no reason. And it got so bad in the locker room, there was harassment, bad harassment. It was in sexual in nature. And it was devastating. And I remember going home and laying in my bed crying and weeping. It was so bad. And then being pushed in the hallways and, and even getting in fights in the hallways for no reason, just for, just for being new, for somebody different. So if you don't think bullying is an issue in our schools, then you greatly have a misconception. Bullying impacts the hearts of kids like you would not believe. It impacts them and wounds them emotionally for years. That is what I had to deal with. And because of that, I just wanted people to like me. I wanted, I wanted somehow to be accepted. But what happened, that, that rejection, that what happened, that wound was never healed, and it became hardness in my heart to where I started seeking attention and started seeking people to please people to like me. So we cannot, you know, you hear the, the term, 
someone who has gone through something in, in life, a traumatic event, and they don't want to go through that again, they call it, well, I'm just guarding my heart because I don't want to get hurt. We have to be careful that we don't confuse gardening our heart with hardening it. Many times what we call guarding our heart, we're really hardening it to the things of God, to other people, to allow them to come in and heal that wound. And so that turned into pride for me, low self-esteem. See, low self-esteem is the back door for pride, okay? So in our small group Wednesday night, we're going through a series by, by Robert Morris called Free Indeed. And this last Wednesday night, we listened to a message called Wounded Warriors. And I would encourage every single person in here, go online and listen to that message, okay? But in that message, he gives seven strongholds that come from rejection. And I'm just going to, to read those here. The number one, and there's not listed in any particular list of importance, but number one, he has anger, insecurity, pride, independence, easily offended, excessive shyness and loneliness, control, and manipulation. I have dealt with all seven of these issues in my life. And I don't know about you, if you hear those, can you identify with some of those things? Because I was afraid of, of being disliked by people and insecure in myself, I would, would, I would retreat from people. I would be reclusive. I would be easily offended. If, if someone was just making a joke about me, I would get offended very easily about it. I would be insecure, insecure how I talked, insecure of how my looks were, insecure of, of just my mannerisms, all of that. But that, that rejection turned into pride. And it also turned into anger in my life. Because I was insecure about myself, it was very easy for me to lose my temper and to get angry. And those are still things that I'm still working on. I haven't arrived yet. We all have this body. We all have this flesh to deal with. But if we humble ourselves, as, as, if we read, as we read, there's grace to the humble. There's God's empowerment that's given to you to overcome these tendencies and weaknesses that held us captive in our past. So let's, uh, let's keep reading here in verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. In other words, you've got to look yourself right in the mirror and analyze yourself. You have to be self-aware. I meet so many people that are just not self-aware of their issues, and they try to cover it up with excuses. Excuses is a manifestation of rotten, ugly, stinking pride. We have to come to grips with ourselves and look in, our mirror, look in the mirror. 
And I'm not saying the physical mirror, but look in the mirror of God's word and see what God's word says about it. And you see yourself in the light of God's word. And if there's something wrong, if you have a messed up hair or a, or a booger hanging out your nose, fix it. Don't be prideful about it and go out through, throughout your day with a booger hanging from your nose. Deal with it. We have to be self-aware. This is in verse 15, and this is why this is so important. Verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So notice, notice the progression there. It starts out earthly. It's of this fallen world where the curse is where sin and death is. But if we allow it to control our lives, then it becomes unspiritual for us. We can't let the fallen world affect us. So notice the progression. Then it's unspiritual. Unspiritual is something that is natural and is contrasted uh, to the, to the spiritual. It's fleshly. It's carnal. It belongs to the unrenewed mind. The, 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 the mind that hasn't been changed to what God's word says. Then he says, it's demonic. And this word demonic, it's, uh, it's the only time, this word in the Greek, it's the only time it's ever mentioned in the Bible. And it means, literally means demon-like or characteristic of a demon or the devil. It also means resembling a demon or, this is, this is where it gets very important, proceeding or influenced by a demon. So when we give into these fleshly things, the, even though they were wounds in our lives, even though that we've experienced pain, if we don't allow God to heal us and humble ourselves before him, then we can open ourselves up. It opens the door. Pride opens the door to demonic influence in our lives. That is how serious heart issues are if we don't deal with them. And I know in, in times past when I have lost my temper, it's became easier the next time to lose it. Why is that? Because I didn't deal with it. I believe I was opening myself up to an evil spirit of anger. This is hard for me to talk about because these are the issues that are in my heart that I have to deal with constantly. But if we don't deal with them, we open ourselves up to these things in our life. And they're the characteristics of the devil himself. Pride is what caused him to fall. In Ezekiel 28, 17, it says about, about Satan, Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And he says, I will cast you to the ground. 
A haughty spirit is before a fall, and pride comes before destruction. That's what Proverbs says. So verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. In other words, it's submissive. When you see an area of your life that needs to be changed, it's open or compliant to reason. It means being ready and willing to obey. You humble yourself, you see your mistake, and you willingly repent. This may come through the pastor. It may be coming from a friend. A friend may point something out to you. A spouse or a pastor may address something, and they see something. When they address it when, and, and, and you see it, that's the, change, that's the time where you need to instantly change and repent. And repentance means to change your mind, to change your viewpoint. So the kind of wisdom that comes from above, the humility of wisdom is peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good works, impartial, sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So he goes on in chapter 4. We're running out of time here, but I just kind of want to highlight some things here. And so he says in verse 1, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? In other words, what causes anger, this bitter jealousy, and the selfish ambition among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you or at war within your members, your flesh? You desire and do not have, so you murder. And so the word murder there does mean taking of one's life. But in, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus likens anger to moral murder. So anger is equivalent to murder. When you have that deep-rooted, burning, hot anger, Jesus said it's like murder. Where does it come from? That bitter Jealousy, ambition, that pride. You desire and do not have, so you covet, not, uh, and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrong, wrongly to spend it on your own passions. And then he says, you adulterous people. So in other words, these are people who didn't take the time to self-analyze their hearts. And they were coveting after other things to find satisfaction, to find joy. And he said, you, can't have, you, you don't have those things because you're asking me for the wrong motives, the wrong motives of your heart. And he calls them adulterous people. So covetousness is is the same as idolatry. Not adultery, but idolatry. It's worshiping of other gods. And, and God called that adultery in the Old Testament. Okay? One indication of, of one area of our hearts that can trigger 
And again, this is something that I've had to deal with in my life. That's an indication of covetousness and spiritual adultery is what I'm spending my money on. Where's, where's your money going? When I, about 15 years ago, I, I was in a backslidden state, and my heart was not right with God. And there was two things that, that, I, that, that was an outward um, expression of my heart not being right with God. Number one, I stopped going to church. And number two, I stopped tithing. Those two things, if you have issue in your life about, I'm telling you that is a heart issue that you need to deal with. So what you spend your money on is an indication of, what, of where your heart is. Jesus said in Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is your heart drawn closer to God? Is your heart drawn closer to the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Then your treasure goes there as well, not on the lust of other things. And he calls them adulterous people because they were double-minded. Their focus was split. They had one foot in the world and trying to have one foot in the church, and that doesn't work. When I was, when I was in high school, uh, we were out fishing on, on a lake, and I got out of a boat. Um, it was not tied to the dock. I had one foot in the boat and one foot on the dock, and the boat went that way, and the dock stood there, and I went straight down. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot trying to draw near to God. You'll fall. So, uh, real quickly, verse 4, you adulterous people, do uh, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? And so... When he talks about he yearns, he yearns jealousy. That is a holy, righteous jealousy, not a, not a, a jealousy that, that we may uh, uh, um, have in this earth, but it is a righteous jealousy. He has such a strong, burning desire for you to draw near to him, not so you can meet some need in his life because he has no needs, so he can meet your need because he knows that's the only satisfaction and joy that you will ever have. And so he burns jealously for your hearts. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So we are to humble ourselves. And humble means to bring ourselves below his authority. And that's actually what the word submit there t- that means too. 
You're bringing yourself under his word, under his authority. You're humbling yourself, looking at the heart issues of your life. And then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. It's very interesting. He, he calls them sinners. Here he's writing to the church, to believers, who's been saved by grace. But because they've been going back and acting like the world, it's like they're sinners. And he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So drawing near to God is equivalent to humbling yourself before God. When you humble yourself before God, you are drawing near to God. He will draw near to you, and he exalts you into his presence. You cannot draw near to God in intimacy without the heart of humility in looking at these heart issues of your life. And when you do, that empowerment is there to help you deal with them. And notice he says, then then you can resist the devil and he will flee. Because remember I said that that type of wisdom is earthly, unnatural, and demonic. If you do, if if, if evil spirit is allowed then to come and to to harass you, once you humble yourself before God, God's empowerment's there, you can resist that thing and that thing has to break off of your life and leave. In uh, Isaiah chapter 61, and if we could have the worship band come up, the worship team. Isaiah chapter 61, and, and actually Jesus quotes this in Luke chapter 4. Something that Jesus said about himself and then what's prophesied about himself. is that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me, or anoint him, in, in, in Isaiah 61.1, it says, And he sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted. To heal those who are broken in their heart. And that word broken is broken to pieces or wounds or to be bruised. I think all of us in here have been broken somewhat in life bruised and wounded by life, by circumstances that that we faced, whether in our childhood, whether in our past, whether by our parents or in school or somebody, somehow, somebody somewhere has wounded us. And a bruise is a deep wound that's bloody underneath the surface. You can't see it, but it's there. You you just see the effects of, of, of it. Sometimes our wounds in our life, we can see the outward effects in how we respond and how we act. But the wound goes deeper. And until we address the wounds, then we can't go on into humility and draw near to God. We have to address it. But Jesus is the healer. Jesus didn't just heal the, the physical bodies. He just didn't open up blind eyes and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers. 
He heals the broken in heart. Those who have been broken in pieces by life, those who have been wounded by their past, he is there to pour in oil and wine and soften that heart. He is the healer. He says again in Isaiah 57, I will dwell in in the high and holy place. In other words, he is exalted. And also with him. So he dwells with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So if you humble yourself and deal with those wounds and repent of pride, he said that he will revive the heart of the contrite. In other words, he will bring healing. He will bring life. He will bring, uh, revive something that's been dead. Let him do that today. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you've been wounded by life, if you've gone through something, just surrender yourself now to God. Just lift up your hands and just out of, out of uh, expression of wanting more of, of God, wanting more of his presence and to desire him more, let him minister to you right now. You don't necessarily need someone to pray for you. The Holy Spirit is here right now and he can invade your heart right now. Let him heal you right now of any wound of your past, of anything that you have gone through. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as we read earlier, your heart is desperately sick, deceitful above all things. It is separated from God and it is dead. That is the greatest heart issue condition that you can be in. But Jesus can give you a brand new heart. He can give you a brand new life. If you believe in Jesus, you believe that he died, that he went to the cross and paid for your sin, and you believe that he rose from the dead, you can be saved. If there's one person here, if there's anybody here that has never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior and wants him to change the inside of you, to change your heart, lift up your hand. I'm going to look on my right, your left. Thank, thank you for the hand. You can put it down. I'm going to look in the middle section. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, lift up your hand. I'm going to look at onto. To my left, your right. All right. Let's pray. I want you to repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you now. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. I ask that you forgive me of my pride. I ask that you forgive me of every wrong thing that I've done. I come humbly before you now. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. 
that he paid for my sin. He paid for my shame. He paid for my insecurities and weaknesses. And he died and he rose again to give me new life, to revive me. I thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time or if you raised your hand for the first time or or should have raised your hand, I want to invite you to come down to the front after the worship team will sing a song. We will have our prayer team down here. They are here wanting to pray with you, wanting to to meet you and to help you get started on this new life in in, in Christ. Um, Before we go, I just, I want, just take one quick second here. And I just want us to bow our heads and let's, I just want to pray just a general prayer for, for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father God, for these people today, Lord. I, Father God, I thank you that, that you would reveal to us, Father God, areas of our hearts that need to be changed, that need to be touched by you, Lord. Show us in the word. Help others to, to reveal things to us of areas that we need to adjust that we may draw closer to you in our intimacy. For we do not want to hinder you in our lives. We do not want to hinder our intimacy with you, but we want to draw closer to your presence. For in your presence, there's fullness of joy. So we ask now, Father God, to cleanse us and wash us, forgive us of our pride. In Jesus' name. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.